0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email Baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes real here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
1: Hey there and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. On Thursday, October 15th, Frank Stanfield alongside Scott White and a special guest that we'll get to in just a little bit. But on our last podcast, we previewed the second base position and today we're looking at third base. And I think the easiest way, way to compare these two is imagine a pool, right? At your favorite resort or hotel. On one end, you have the three-foot end... The section for the kids, that's where you enter the pool. They have the stairs. They have the railing to help you. That's where the parents hang out. They watch their kids. That's second base. On the other end, we have a diving board. It's 12 feet deep. That's where all the cool kids hang out. That's third base. And Scott is looking at me like I'm absolutely crazy. So <laughs> what do you think of my analogy, Scott?
2: I was wondering where you were going with that. Uh, that's- Does it make sense? Um, sure. Scott hates it. Scott hates it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't love it. (laughs) (laughs) But I I can tell you put a lot of thought into it. And I, I appreciate, I always appreciate thought being put into things.
1: Not as much as you would imagine, actually, Scott. It's something I came up with like five minutes before the show. I'm like, how can I compare these two? Ah, a really big swimming pool, but apparently that's that's not great. Uh, Scott, I'm sorry, the uh, Los Angeles Rams beat your Atlanta Falcons 15-3 to in game three of the NLCS?
2: <laughs> yeah, the good news is, you know, as badly as the Braves were beat, it, it only counts as one win for the Dodgers. Somebody on Twitter suggested to me that maybe they should go rotisserie scoring for the NLCS. Uh, <laughs> that was Big Bad Voodoo Donkey who said that. Give them a little credit. I thought that was funny. But no, that's not how it works. It is, it is head-to-head scoring in real life. And, uh, you know, just one game. So hopefully they bounce back tomorrow.
1: Hey, at least your team is still playing. So I don't, I don't really have anything that I could say at all, Scott. <laughs> except for good luck. Hopefully the Braves can bounce back uh, in game four against the Dodgers. I mentioned that we are joined by another fantastic guest. We're going to do this all off-season on our Thursday podcast. And maybe we'll expand it to... Both episodes as we go further into the offseason. But that guest is Jeff Zimmerman. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jeff W. Zimmerman, co-author of The Process. Currently contributes to Rotographs, Roto Fanatic, and Baseball HQ, co-host of the Launch Angle podcast. And I just realized a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America. Is 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 that is that for real?
0: This guy is legit. What's going on, Jeff? I'm doing good tonight. Um, happy to be here and talk some fantasy baseball and yeah i am a member of the baseball writers and um, i have gotten my one vote for manager of the year which is kind of like i hate to say it's just kind of like well i guess you know <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's it's just so tough and the worst was with um joe paloski and it's like oh great i mean which one doesn't belong here but it was it was a good time and um i I'd, i'll maybe get a vote again but usually the you know, for the Cy Young and the MVP, the regular beat writers cover them, and we got Jeff that for Kansas City, um, with their chapter, so he gets to he's in charge, so he gets to pick whatever he wants. Also, so, um, uh, I'll take what I can get, and in, in a few years here, hopefully, I can um, be able to vote for the um, Hall of Fame.
1: Well, no disrespect to Jeff Passan, but I, I prefer my Jeff with the last name Zimmerman. So hopefully. Uh, they'll step it up and get you another vote there with the Baseball Writers Association (laughs) of America. Scott, do you remember way back in, I don't know, I think it was like April, there was that fantasy baseball podcast bracket that was all over Twitter. Uh, The Launch Angle podcast actually eliminated us. I I think it was like the the quarterfinals or something like that. And that's because Jeff's co-host, Rob Silver, recruited the entire country of Canada. (laughs) And (laughs) that's... Mainly a, a large reason why we were defeated, uh, and it's really hard to compete with that, Scott. If we're being honest, it's hard to compete with Canada. Yeah, it's I a agree. whole country. Yeah, a whole mm-hmm. country at his back.
2: Yeah, a, a big one geographically, population wise, not so much. But you know, I, I guess I guess every square foot got a vote.
1: <laughs> Jeff, did I miss anything? Was that an accurate depiction of? I mean, obviously, you guys put on a quality podcast, but you know, having Canada helped.
0: Well, the deal was that morning, we kind of put out like, hey, the vote's going on, vote for us, and just thought we were going to lose like 10 to 1. Like, we just had no hope. And then Rob, like, hits me up. He's like, you know, we're kind of close, and my wife wants to get involved. And she's like the, the right-hand man for their prime minister. So she runs his elections and everything. So she got everyone she knew involved. So, you know... She can get the prime minister elected there, Trudeau. You know, you you guys didn't really stand a chance, but somehow Pitcher List, I don't know what they did to kind of take us out in the finals there. They got her, you know, got her corrupted or something, paid her off or something, but we just couldn't get it to to take the overall. But the Pitcher List does a great job and you can't really... Yeah, Yeah, they're
2: just good, I guess.
1: They're they're, the one good fantasy baseball podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, they do fantastic work. A lot of people in the fantasy baseball industry do a lot of fantastic work. And I actually hope to get Nick Pollock on of pitcher list at some point. Hopefully Alex Fass as well. Those guys uh, do a tremendous job. Today on the show, you might have guessed it by now, we are previewing the third base position, looking at Scott's early top 12 ranks at That position. But first, as I like to ask each of our guests here, uh, Jeff, I just want to pick your brain a little bit about the 2020 season in general and and how that's going to factor into your projections and, and your rankings overall for 2021 players as well. So, basically, like, how much weight are you putting on 2020? It's an abbreviated season, it's really just a 60 game sample, whereas in a normal season, that's literally just over a third of the season. Uh, we saw players like Jose Abreu do something that he's never done before. Salvador Perez, the same thing, and also players that were huge disappointments like Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. So, how much weight are you going to put on 2020 production when it comes to ranking and projecting players for 2021?
0: Uh, the correct answer is depends, but basically none. I actually did a small research just so I kind of had some idea. And with most stats, actually, you can go back to 2018. It's more predictive than what happened in 2020. So um, 2019, by far, should have more weight than anything out there. But you kind of have to go pace by case basis, especially with, like, pitchers that have changed their arsenals or added a new pitch or lost velocity. I think with pitchers, you kind of have to go one by one. But for a lot of hitters, especially those that jumped up, especially because of bad, I'm just going to – I'm not writing it off. It's It's like a – it's a part of it, but I think one thing that people could do, and I think you've kind of been doing it, is just done like a three-year average. Like, what's their prorated for a year, like th- the last three years, or even the last you know year and a half, and go with that much and kind of see how they perform that way. So, um, Baseball Reference has, has a, like the last 162 games. You can kind of go there and look at that, and it'll show you what they've done for that. So, I think that's probably one of the better measures to kind of get their idea of their season.
1: Wait, so. Okay, I'm looking at baseball reference because I basically have just been doing all of this by hand. Like, I will literally go on fan graphs and just try <laughs> to find... I, I will go through the game log and try and figure out when, like, the last 162 games was for a player. And it's quite time-consuming. So if I can find an easier way to get that done, uh, that would help tremendously. But, yeah, that's what I'm doing as of now for all of these players is looking at their last 162 games of production. And, all right, let's weigh that versus just A 60 game sample of 2020. Uh, On the other side, Jeff, when it comes to pitching for next season, how are you going to handle guys like Corbin Burns or Jesus Lazardo, who obviously haven't really had a huge workload to this point in their careers? Should we be devaluing those players? Should we, you know, be uh, giving an uptick to guys that have done it before, like the Garrett Coles, the Shane Biebers, you know, even like Lance Lynn, who's just like had like a very high big workload the past couple of seasons. How are you going to weight those two different types of pitchers?
0: I have no idea. Um, I'm definitely going to kind of target those guys that have done it every year. And the one thing I've kind of have on my off season list is to look at the guys that came in, throw it with full workloads like Lance Lynn. And he, um, when he came in, you know, he's thrown a lot, you know, he could probably do it again. There's um, a lot of teams probably did the only one I know that did it was the Angels because the only people that have written about it because they talked about Bundy doing it, is when COVID hit, is they put them on a schedule to be able to throw the full innings for the year. Even though they weren't facing anyone, they still wanted them throwing you know, this many pitches every five days. So a lot of them, if they have had a long workload before, they should be ready to go. It is kind of like these ones that have been hurt constantly or they kind of babied them a little bit like how much – I mean what are you really going to do coming off that injury I think a lot of those you might have to just max out at like 120 innings like Lazardo wasn't throwing that much beforehand but some of the other ones yeah had that full workload so I feel kind of confident with them going forward
1: yeah it's a good point and yeah I, I just think you kind of have to it, you have to construct your roster correctly right like you can't just have a bunch of all right, Lazardo, Burns, Julio Arias. Like, you have to have some guys that you know are going to give you innings. And then, you know, maybe you take a few swings on, on those younger guys where you don't really know what the uh, innings pitch workload is going to be. But uh, obviously, Corbin Burns is going to be a very popular name based on the skill and the production that we saw in 2020. All right, third base. Scott is still here. So let's get him involved, of course. Third base, very deep position, as I mentioned. A uh, lot of elite level talent. But lots of question marks at the top as well. So with that being said, Scott, why don't you get us started um, with your top 12? Who is your number one ranked third baseman heading into 2021? The number one third baseman, I think it's
2: pretty easy in part because of the struggles of some of the the, the tried entries in the first round there. But Jose Ramirez, I mean, obviously he's not far removed from being uh, that high end first rounder himself. Two years ago, he was the consensus number three pick behind Trout and Bats. And, you know, bounced back from that weird, almost year long slump uh, toward the end of last year. He bounced back looking like Jose Ramirez again and continued and ended this season. You know, in terms of fantasy points per game, he was actually the second best hitter behind Freddie Freeman. And then, of course, from a five by five standpoint, the the fact he provides power and speed, his ten steals—I think he was tied for tenth in that category—with the ten stolen bases, that that sets him apart at this position, especially. Uh, I don't think I, I, I don't think we can look at him hitting over two ninety and say, okay, that's the kind of hitter he is. You know, beyond just the the small sample. Uh, it, he, he ended the season on a particularly high note that brought that batting average up to a point that I think would have regressed over time. He doesn't really have the kind of, uh, batted ball profile, uh, you know, fly balls versus line drives to sustain a high batting average, but power, the speed is going to be there. I think he's, I think he's probably the only third baseman I'm looking at in the first round next year.
1: And I think that makes sense. And you mentioned the batting average in 2019. It was 255. In 2018, it's 270. So I tend to agree based on how many fly balls he hits. And he actually had a career-high 51% fly ball rate in 2020. I would imagine the BABIP takes a little bit of a step back. And we're probably looking at more of a 270, 260 to 270 hitter for Jose Ramirez. Jeff, when it comes to Jose Ramirez, any concern at this point, over that 132-game stretch. I looked at this. It was basically from August of 2018 to June 2019. 132 games where he hit 212 with just 12 home runs and a six seventy two OPS. That's nearly a full season's worth of games for Jose Ramirez. Are we past that, or does it still kind of creep into your mind when it comes to Jose Ramirez? Because now, uh, early ADP, he's going at 7.8. So he's back to being a mid-first-round pick.
0: Um, it has some, I think that's, what's keeping him at least in my opinion, kind of toward the back of the first round. Like I don't have him as the elite. I think among third basemen, he's easily the number one pick that'll go and he should be. It's more of where he compares to the other people being taken in the first round, like Trey Turner, Do you want someone at third base. And I also think I'm pretty sure Jose Ramirez only, yeah, he just has a third base this year. So sometimes he's had the multiple eligibilities, but, No, I think he's great. And yeah, it's more of where he goes in the first round. I think like I'm in the the early mocks that they are having that he's gone as high as two and down at 12. So I think it'll be interesting to see how people value him or how they kind of want to build their team. It's like, oh, I can get a third baseman with speed. And as we'll go through the list, it kind of dies off kind of quick, the few that have the speed.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott mentioned the the overall five-category production. Again, batting average, probably not going to help you, but I don't think he's going to hurt you. But last 162 games for Jose Ramirez, 281 batting average, 38 home runs, 101 runs scored, 120 RBI, and 26 steals. So, uh, yeah, you're really not going to find that, that type of stolen uh, base production at the top of this position. Scott, after Jose Ramirez... Who's number two? Say it loud, say it proud. It's Manny Machado.
2: It, oh yeah, it, it kind of feels like it has to be Manny Machado. This will actually be a an interesting test case for Jeff, I think, because if if we're weighing 2019 more than 2020, which you know, I I I think I'm trying to do that too. Uh, then Machado would drop behind some of these these other guys, but Machado was clearly the second best third baseman in 2020 uh, he didn't I, I i'm not really sure why I, I mean i i understand he barreled up the ball better I, but i'm not sure how much of that is just a sample size like he was hot for this stretch and so obviously the final numbers look good in terms of the, the thing that i feel like had had kind of messed up manny machado after leaving camden was that he's so fly ball prone that if he's not playing in a smallish park like that, he's not getting the free hits on home runs. Uh, it's going to break down his batting average, and that bad that that bad a ball, ball profile with the line drives versus the 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 fly balls. It it kind of normalized in September after um after you know he had a much better bat bit profile early on. So I feel like. The other numbers were maybe on their way to following, and it's just it's just a disappointing that we didn't get those final four months to see where he ended up. But obviously there's a track record there, certainly from his time with the Orioles, that um I I don't want to be unfair to him either. And look, he stole six bases, which is something we've seen from him in the past too. And that obviously that matters in in Roto. So I'm going to put him second here. I'm probably not going to have any shares of him if he goes second at this position, but that's where I'll rank him.
1: I don't really have a problem with this early ADP. It's 18.9. He's going in the middle of the second round, and I don't think it's just putting too much weight on his 2020 production, because really, outside of his 2019 ADP, this is where he's lived. I just pulled up 2018 ADP from the NFBC, and his ADP then, seventeen. So this is kind of like where he always was. And I just think following the down year in 2019, you were just getting him at a tremendous discount. And and Jeff, I actually have to give you credit for this because I reference this a ton throughout our player evaluation uh, leading up to the 2020 season. And part of the reason why I was in on Machado was that you tweeted out back in February 10th last year, you tweeted out that Manny Machado was hitting 272, 340, 494 before he got hit by a pitch in like his tricep. And then after that, all of his numbers basically plummeted. And that was in the 2019 season, his first season with the Padres. So I continue to reference that. And I thought it was a fantastic point that you brought up. And ultimately, I really don't have a problem with Machado climbing back into this area of the draft. And especially with Jace Tingler, I think that the Padres are going to continue to be very aggressive on the base paths. We saw uh, they, the Rangers were as well back in 2019 when he was actually in charge of their their base running. So thank you, Jeff. I had a lot of Manny Machado shares. Um, and what do you think about this this price tag overall in the second round again for him?
0: It is steep. I'll have to see how everyone else kind of works in. I kind of thought he would be more of like a third or fourth rounder, not jump up so much. And um, we'll have to see how much of, like of a recency bias it is. But the one thing that he's done and that whole team is like improved. So he's getting the runs and RBIs from the Padres, just, just knocking the snot out of the ball. So that's one thing, even if he doesn't have the great home runs or doesn't steal, he should have put up just some great counting numbers with that team around him being able to hit in the middle of that lineup. And that's what carried a lot of his value, but you just add in a little bit of those home runs. You add in a little bit of those steals from your third base position and um, you know, i not, I, I agree he's second. It's just, again, like how he compares to some of the other players. Um, I think that's more of the decision right here, not is his is he the second base, best third baseman.
1: And there are a ton of pitchers going in that range uh, in some early drafts as well. So we'll talk about that another time. We have a new sponsor here on the podcast and one that I'm very excited about. That is Express clothing. This one is super easy for me because I've been wearing Express for years. In fact, these V-necks you always see me wearing, I'm actually wearing one right now. You can see it on our YouTube channel. Uh, This is from Express, and I am extremely comfortable right now. The deal that we're offering for you today is $25 off your next $50 purchase from Express. All you have to do is text BASEBALL to 397-737. Again, text the word Baseball to 397737 737 to get $25 off your next $50 purchase. You've heard the term look good, feel good in the past, and I can't stress that enough when it comes to Express. Their clothes are incredibly comfortable. They look amazing, and everything I've ever purchased from them just fits like an absolute glove. You know, Most athletic and taller men don't think Express can fit them, but I'm here to tell you that they do, and they do quite well. I'm actually very particular about how my clothes fit, and... I've never had an issue with Express. I mentioned the V-necks, but they offer so many different things from T-shirts, dress shirts, button downs, flannels, sweaters, blazers, jeans, suits. They offer so much. I'm actually looking at their Luxe Comfort Knit Collection right now. That's L-U-X-E, Comfort Knit Collection. And if you want to check it out, it's on their website right now. Features many everyday clothing items except They're made with soft fabric, so it feels like you're wearing your favorite sweats. Seriously, imagine wearing jeans that are so comfy that they feel like sweats. Sign me up. Plus, everything is super affordable. Remember, you can get $25 off your next $50 purchase at Express by texting baseball to 397-737. I've actually done it, and they texted me back with a link for the discount. It is super easy, and I am very excited about our new sponsor. Again, that is... Express all right Scott after the top two you have who do you have number three at the third That's
2: base position number three is who oh, I think ended up number one for me coming into this season and it's Alex Bregman and I'm, I'm actually interested in, in hearing Jeff's uh, Jeff's take on this because I hear myself say it and I, it almost feels intellectually dishonest to me because there's an easier explanation than the one I'm about to give but I feel like the Astros Astros hitters as a whole, they kind of struggled with this over-eagerness to validate themselves coming off the uh, the, the the sign-stealing scandal. And it, it afflicted everybody in some way. George Springer ended up bouncing back late in the season. His final numbers looked pretty good. Uh, and then we've seen Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve bounce back in a big way in the playoffs. So maybe that Maybe maybe that's all that there is. Maybe that is honestly uh, what happened to all of them and, and they're all fine. Bregman, we haven't seen him bounce back as strong, but he was he was really starting to pick things up before getting shut down with a sore hamstring late in August and then he missed a couple weeks and came back and I'm not sure he had a chance to get rolling again. Uh, but the batted ball profile looks very similar, still has that amazing plate discipline. I'm going to give him a pass for these two months like I am pretty much all the Astros hitters down. Not exactly Jose Altuve, but pretty much all the others.
1: Yeah, and Altuve is just crushing it in the postseason. So if you worried about his regular season, honestly, this postseason has given me a little bit more confidence in Jose Altuve, the way that he has turned things around. But for Alex Bregman here, really just affected by Babbitt. 254 batting average on balls in play in the shortened season, despite a 25% line drive rate, which was a career high, uh, and he's a career 293 BABIP guy, so higher line drive rate, hit the ball basically as hard as he always did, yet his BABIP was down about 40 points, so it doesn't really add up for me. Uh, Jeff, what do you think about Bregman, and what's the deal with the breaking pitches, too? Because I, I, I noticed that he hit 150 versus breaking pitches this year. That was a career low, and Jose Altuve also hit like 135 against breaking pitches. So, I don't know if it goes back to what Scott was saying with the over the eagerness or if it if it's related somehow to the cheating scandal. I don't know. Do you put any weight into like them not hitting breaking balls this year?
0: A little bit. It's just tough to know how much the cheating was going on. And it sounded like the trash cans like they found a they may have found a better method after that, but no one's been able to determine it, and it wasn't as obvious. So, I think he's a nice picker at three. He's one of the last players that actually, um, the third baseman that can steal a base. So, that have the overall kind of um, skill set. He's probably the last five category guy. The one thing with him is that whole Astros team that they're gonna have a lot of turnover. So, it's gonna be interesting to see if that lineup's gonna be long again. If they're just gonna keep rolling out the points, or if they're just gonna bring the players from within or how that all works. So that's going to be kind of an interesting point or even how, I guess the pitching doesn't really matter with that. Cause that's kind of getting thin now too. That whole team is, but I think he, his position here is fine. Um he, Yeah. It's just kind of a boring profile. He's just kind of consistent every year. And I kind of wonder if people are just going to get tired of him and it might be a good chance to buy low. Like if his um ADP drops low enough that, it's like, oh, we'll just go ahead and, you know, pick him up. Like if you go with a pitcher in the first round and you could kind of maybe get him in the, in the third round or maybe even the fourth, I think that would be a great place. So it'll be kind of interesting yeah. to see where his ADP kind of um, levels out at.
2: Yeah, and these- I, I, I'd hoped we were seeing that this year. I was surprised to see him fall to the second round ever. And, uh, you know, obviously, obviously that didn't play out so well for me. But <laughs> – Yeah, maybe even more so now, especially since, of course, uh, everybody with that H on the hat is like public enemy number one and is going to be for a while now.
1: Yeah, like, honestly, if this situation with the breaking pitches, and I'm just trying to find any reason why some of these Astros hitters struggled this year. So I'm like literally just looking at every nook and cranny. But Mm -hmm. if there's nothing there, if I'm just making something out of nothing, then we have huge buying opportunities. And we spoke about this with Altuve the other day, Scott. ADP, early ADP for Bregman, 34. That's a late third-round pick. Potentially fourth-round pick. I mean, his his ADP this year was 17. So, you know, he was a borderline first-round pick. Are we really going to put that much stock into this shortened season? I'm looking at a buying opportunity for Bregman if if he remains in this range. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Because I don't, really... All
2: the Astros hitters, even Altuve, all of them who struggled, I, I don't see clear enough changes in the batting batted ball profile to suggest, okay, this this guy just doesn't have it anymore. And so that's that's why I struggle with this. Is it because I'm sure a lot of people are going to look at what happened to them and say, see, they couldn't cheat anymore, and they're not really that good. And and that's probably the easy explanation. But uh, I I think it's an oversimplification. So maybe my counter to that is, oh, yeah, they were overeager to prove themselves. That's that's just as much of an oversimplification. I, I don't know. But I don't really have
1: anything else, you know? No, I think it makes sense. Uh, all right, so those are the top three. You have Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, and Alex Bregman. Who do you have number four, Scott?
2: Number four is Nolan Arenado, who I think has a pretty clear explanation considering he missed he played a lot of september with a with a shoulder injury that eventually shut him down i think he even had surgery on it a bone bruise in his shoulder oh no i don't think he had surgery actually but his shoulder was hurt and if you look at the the breakdown of his season like he just stopped hitting for power in september basically which you know brought down his average exit velocity his hard hit rate uh, you know in terms of how much he made contact he was as good as ever and he's been so bankable from year to year playing in Colorado that uh, I'm pretty comfortable giving him a pass here. I could I could understand ranking him ahead of Bregman. Even the one thing, the one thing you have to worry about, or the biggest thing you have to worry about, is I'm getting traded. Which I mean, if the Rockies are going the direction of a rebuild, uh, I think he has an opt out after in his contract after next season. You know, if he if he has a big bounce back season, they may want to. They may want to cash in and obviously that would change his what his ceiling looks like if he if he's out of Colorado. But for now, I'll put him fourth here.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna need a, some reassurances in the offseason that he is one hundred percent healthy. He hasn't had shoulder surgery yet, but you know, we've seen people kind of when they're dealing with these shoulder injuries, it really, really does affect their production. So I think that that, that is an excuse for his 2020. But I need to make sure that he is healthy before I invest a second or a third round pick in 2021 on Nolan Arenado. What's crazy is this was only the second time in, in his eight-year career that he landed on the IL. This guy is normally an Man. So, Jeff, when it comes to Nolan Arenado, how much do you worry about this shoulder or are you just kind of giving him a pass? Do you, need, do you need those assurances before you draft him in 2021?
0: Yeah. I'm kind of worried that since he played through it all, that hopefully he didn't pick up any bad habits trying to deal with the injury. It almost been better if he just went on the IL and just healed himself instead of like we had to rework his swing. There's no way he's going to be in that much pain and not have to change something. I had him in an important league and he was just unplayable, especially on the road. I think he had like under his um, OPS was like 6.36 on the road. I mean, you just have to bench that there was just, he was, so bad. And, um, if he gets traded, I did some research last year that he's probably going to be not as productive. And this was before coming into this year, which people will probably be a little bit more down on him, but he's around like the Matt Chapman level. Like that, that, that's what you would kind of expect from him, not in Colorado, but man, this year he, it was just rough. And that injury does worry me that, um, and the trade that it's, I think I want someone a little bit more bankable at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, he's another one. Like if it falls far enough, it's good. He's going to be a good buy. I think this it's going to be a great year coming up where if you kind of do the research and kind of dig in, it'll be how much people kind of deal with the recency bias or um, kind of dig into like why they struggled. Like, I think a lot of people may, like I said, with Arenado, it's going to be, yeah. How does he feel kind of talk about it during spring training and hopefully we can get to see some games.
1: And the early ADP for Arenado is twenty five point nine. So going about eight picks earlier than Alex Bregman. I right, you know, we'll see whether that kind of settles in, but seems a seems a little early for me. Scott, after Arenado, who do you have at number five? I, I have I have no uh, sorry, I have Anthony Rendon fifth.
2: And I think the better safe than sorry crowd, which I would usually consider myself a part of in the early rounds. I think the better safe than sorry crowd might go Rendon ahead of both Arenado and Bregman. I will go Rendon ahead of Arenado in, in my points league rankings, or you know any format where you get credit for the on base ability. I think Rendon over Arenado makes sense. But in terms of ceiling, I I really don't think he compares for those to those two. Uh, all of his, you know, like that the outlier barrel rate and hard hit rate that we saw from him last year leading to career best numbers those came back down to earth came back closer to to his norms in 2020 which you know that that's one instance where because 2019 was such an outlier in those areas uh you know I'm I'm going to give more credit to what happened in 2020 with Anthony Rendon I think that's closer to who he truly is as a hitter which is still really good but it's not in a five by five context, it's not—it's not quite even second round good, I don't think. So I'll have him fifth here, but he is—he—he he is certainly safer than Arenado and Bregman.
1: Jeff, you want to talk about a bankable asset? I mean, that's pretty much Anthony Rendon. I don't know if we're ever going to get an OPS over a thousand again, but you're looking at four straight seasons of a 900 plus OPS out of Anthony Rendon. He's probably going to miss 10 to 15 games over the course of a full season because that's what he does every year. Again, Anthony Rendon is who we're talking about. Jeff, is there a safer third baseman? Even with Jose Ramirez, is there a safer uh, third baseman than Rendon being drafted in the, in the first three rounds of these early drafts?
0: Yeah, I was kind of mad. He actually went off that one year. I mean, it was, it was nice. I owned him, but he was like a guy I always would just get like around the fifth round. It's just put him in, especially like in auctions people. He didn't have like that high price tag to begin with. And he just kind of fell in like the 15 to $20 range. And I just, I seem to own him all the time and then he goes off and then the price just goes out of hand, but no, he, he is bankable. And for people that um, just want that for their team and, you know, with an early round and fourth or third to fifth round pick, I think he's perfectly fine. He's one of those ones that I don't think I'd push him up into this second, third round, but yeah, once he starts getting the fourth and fifth, I think that's, I'll, I'll own him in, in any time I he falls that far. All right,
1: we're going to take a quick break. I just want to remind everyone that we have a new show. Want to welcome to the CBS Sports Podcast family. K Golasso is a daily soc- soccer podcast that aims to bring you the best analysis and commentary from the world's game. They'll have gambling previews and immediate match recaps and react to it to all the latest news from the Champions League to the Premier League to Americans in Europe and everything in between. It's truly a must listen. If you are a soccer fan, episodes available now. You can go subscribe now to K Golasso. That is Q U E. G-O-L-A-Z-O on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, we are almost 40 minutes in, and we've talked about five third basements. So when we return, hopefully (laughs) we'll get to the rest of the top 12 here on Fantasy Baseball Today.
2: Original docu-series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Selvi. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out.
1: And
0: obsession
1: leads to murder.
2: Who did this to your family?
1: You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now
0: streaming on Paramount Plus.
1: All right, Scott, we've got through five third basemen. Who is number six in your early 2021 ranks? Number six is DJ
2: Lemayhu, And obviously, the you're probably not drafting him to play first base, right? He's eligible at first base. He's eligible at second base. Those are would both be better places to play him. I think he's a distant number one at second base. And because of that, Like, he might go third at this position. He might go second at this position. I could see somebody taking him ahead of Machado, especially if he re-signs with the Yankees.
1: Whoa, 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 Scott, come on. I mean, it's Manny Machado we're talking about here. I don't think (laughs) it's crazy. I saw a few mock drafts where, like, LeMahieu went in the first or second round. It was probably, like, T.J. LeMahieu's mom that was drafting him that early, because I can't (laughs) imagine anyone actually doing that. Uh, But, Jeff, Uh just your thoughts on this early cost. We're looking at, like, a late third, early fourth round pick on LeMahieu, assuming he goes back to the Yankees.
0: Um, yeah, I think that he could, like Scott was saying, he could easily move up. Um, especially I would usually give the guys a little bit of a boost too, for the multi-position and he can be able to get to your corner. He can get to your middle. Um, yeah, I, I think like if you, if he was just third base, I think this ranking is kind of set right here. He might even move down a little, but I think if when the ADP comes out, um, there just may not be enough good second baseman to go around that he could be the, third, third baseman going.
1: All right, Scott. So after LeMahieu, I agree. You, like, if you're drafting him, you're probably using him at first or second base. Um, number seven in your rankings.
2: Number seven is a true third baseman, Rafael Devers, mm. who got off to a pretty miserable start, put him behind the eight ball, but he was gaining steam as the season ended. The strikeout rate was still a little high. Never It never quite normalized, but especially when you consider... Like as slow as he started this year, it was much worse last year, and you know I I don't know if I I don't know if I'm ready to brand him a slow starter, but it's just it's just more indicative of how uh, how much a player how completely a player can turn things around over a six month season, and I I don't really have concerns about Devers. Uh, if I did, it would be that the strikeout rate was notably higher.
1: All right, I'm going to need some help here from Jeff to try and figure out who is Rafael Devers, aside from being a 24-year-old who should be a stud. But you mentioned the slow start, Scott. 2019, he didn't hit his first home run until May 3rd, which means that he hit all 32 of his home runs in the final 124 games of 2019, and then in 2020, his first 22 games, he hit just two home runs with a two oh seven batting average. His final 35 games, two ninety seven nine home runs. So he might just be a slow starter, but Jeff, the OPS the past three years, all over the place, 731 in 2018, 916 in 2019, 793 in 2020, the strikeout rate all over the place. What do we make of Rafael Devers?
0: Kind of tough. Right now, 2019 looks like the, kind of the exception to the rule. His other three seasons so far, even though each one has been, it wasn't a full one, like he really put it together in 2019. They're all what he's done, I mean, are very similar and then 2019 comes and he just really breaks out because like no one really was drafting him to do that last year. Um, so he's I think this is the right spot for him. Um, it was interesting that he didn't run at all, didn't steal a base. And also it's I really want to see what the Red Sox are doing. their whole lineup, their whole team, I don't know if they're just going to get those counting stats they used to have, that used to be the one thing you could always bank on them. And right now, I mean, that offense was just horrible. So um, I mean, he's got some power, but you're not really, you may not have the batting average. And um, so he's kind of boring if, like I said, yeah, hopefully you can get that average from 2019. But like I said, I, I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, he hit 263 in 2020. So the early ADP 37.7, you know, right behind, literally right behind DJ LeMayhew and Anthony Rendon, guys that I consider much, much safer. So everyone knows by now I have an affinity for Rafael Devers, but if this price tag remains in this range, it's probably too early for me. Well, Scott, what was that
2: great stat you dropped when Nando was on about Rafael Devers? Do you remember? I, I think I got it here. It was uh, oh, his yeah, average yeah. exit velocity was actually higher this year than than last year. And I don't mm-hmm. feel like his home run pace really suffered that much. Uh,
1: the it, only difference uh, Scott in his production was the strikeouts. That's the, like the difference between yeah. him hitting over 300 and 263 is a 10% rise in strikeouts. 17% yeah, right. in 2019, 27% in 2020. So I mean if he gets that closer to tw- uh, to 20 a 20% strikeout rate, Mm-hmm. I think based on his quality of contact, you're looking at a 290-plus a hitter. But will he yeah. cut those strikeouts down? That's the biggest question mark when it comes to Devers.
2: So I, I, th- I think that's spot on. The BABIP was only down slightly. The ISO was only down slightly. Line drive rate, ground ball rate, fly ball rate, virtually identical to 2019.
1: So I think you're right. All right, Scott, so after seven, why don't you hit me with number eight and nine together? Okay, a couple players... In similar
2: spots, so that makes sense. Uh, Eugenio Suarez and Matt Chapman, both, you know, kind of yucky. Kind of yucky what they did. But in a way that, I don't know. I I have a glass half full take on both of them. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, the home run pace was similar to the one that brought him to 49 last year his BABIP dropped from 312 to 214. And in a way that's hard to explain, it's it's not like he, it's not like he stopped hitting line drives and was hitting a crazy number of fly balls. I mean, he does hit a lot of fly balls, but that bit, that big, a drop in BABIP is, is not, I'm, I'm not really seeing a good explanation for it. So, uh, I, I don't want to drop Suarez too much, knowing the power is still there. And, and Chapman, like Chapman, huge jump in strikeout rate. Like, what is wrong with this guy? Level of uh, increase there. He he was striking out like Miguel Sano, and yet, like the the batting average, you didn't see the, the as big a drop in batting average you'd expect because of that. Because he, you know, kind of kind of got away from selling out for power so much from selling out for home runs so much with the exaggerated fly ball rate and still hit for good power. So, I mean, it's the, the strikeouts for Chapman, it's, it's so out of the ordinary for him. And, you know, he ended up having a hip issue that ended up needing to be repaired. Who knows how much that impacted it, but like everything else Chapman did was a step in the right direction. So I'm, you know, I, I don't expect Chapman to strike out thirty five percent of the time again. I think I,
1: I I think he might be a sneaky pick in twenty twenty. I really like the glass half full approach. Twenty twenty one, sorry. I like the glass half full on a. Eugenio Suarez much more than I do Chapman. I, I really just look at the Babip and two fourteen Babip in twenty twenty for Suarez. Career 310 mark. So it kind of it reminds me a little bit about Max Muncie, too. You look at the Babbitt for Max Muncie this year and it just seemed like he was like really, really unlucky. Chapman, I worry a little bit more. I mean, he's got four months of rehab ahead. He just had hip surgery. So I, I've really, you know, I've got to get some assurances from him in the offseason and see how he's performing in spring training, assuming we have a spring training. Uh, but uh, Jeff, just pitting these two guys up against each other Suarez, Matt Chapman, what do you think of each and and which one would you lean towards?
0: Um, I agree with you that Suarez is probably the one, like, I'm just going to lean toward the players that had BABIP issues instead of strikeout issues. I do think one thing with the third baseman, even you can lump Devers, Suarez, Chapman, and some of the ones later is they're kind of like these two 40 to 260 hitters that hit a bunch of home runs. And I think you can just kind of pick and choose one, um, like the last one out of the group. And um, the one thing I did find with third base last year, I remember it was JD Davis was like, I didn't want anyone after him. It just really dropped off. They were, it was a great position. It was loaded, but then there was just this drop where it was just horrible. So I think the one thing you kind of have to look here at third baseman is we're sort of getting there where it's like, I want to get one in these, you know, first hundred picks or so. And then, you know, then the talent just kind of really drops off because a lot of times you get the guys that are third base and like second base and it's like, well, you want to put the guy at second base. So um, your third baseman's kind of dry out a little bit. And Jeff
1: mentioned this huge drop in ADP. There's these nine mock drafts that are going on. They're set up by Justin Mason and we have the ADP data from uh, SMATA. SMATA Plays baseball on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. And you can find the ADP there as well. But there's this huge drop where Devers is going like late third, early fourth. And 40 picks later is where you get to Suarez at 78.8 and then Matt Chapman at 98.4. So there's just like this huge drop in uh, basically a tier for for third baseman from uh, Devers to Eugenio Suarez. At number 10 in Scott's ranks, it's Kevin Biggio. We spoke about him on the second base preview so you could go back and listen to that. Scott, number 11. Look at this guy making quite the jump here in 2021. Uh, I I guess it's time to just officially buy in. Yeah, because I don't think there's
2: anything wrong with Gio Urshel. I, I think he's kind of hard to knock at this point, even though the home run production was kind of lacking in 2020 in terms of how hard he hit the ball, in terms of... Uh, you know that that was really what he improved during his breakout twenty nineteen, and people weren't sure was it a fluke or whatever. He changed his approach at the plate that year to to incorporate his lower body more and made much harder contact, and that continued. Uh, the X slug I think ended up quite a bit higher than the actual slug. So I I think Urshela I I think Urshela twenty nineteen Urshela was basically legit, and if we got a chance to see a full six months of him. This past year, it, it would have been more evident in the in the raw numbers. He doesn't walk much, but he doesn't strike out much either. And he's in a prime RBI spot in a loaded lineup, and has enough power that um, you know the batting average is going to be there. And uh, I, I think I think everybody who drafts Urshela will just stick him in their lineup and and not really worry about him. So there are several behind him who probably have more upside, but like, this is the weird thing about third base is uh, yeah, we're getting into, we're getting into a range here where you don't feel super comfortable with the players, but there, there's some high end names. There's some big names who've done big things in the past. And so um, it, it, it's going to be hard it's going to be hard to invest in them like a starter for your team, and yet it's very likely they end up performing like a starter. But that that comes after Urshela. I think Urshela, people are should feel pretty safe, it should feel pretty confident in.
1: Early ADP, I mean, you could get be getting a potential huge discount on Urshela because ADP is 163.4. So I think people are not necessarily there yet with him. But we now have a 175-game sample since he joined the Yankees where he has an 881 OPS during this time. And I think it's – I wouldn't really argue against it. The line drive rate is, you know, pretty massive for him and good spots to hit in, good ballparks to hit in. I think the job is safe. I don't really have any issues when it comes to Urshela, so he's looking at at like an early value for me. Um, All right, third base is looking pretty damn good uh, heading into – 2021 and they're actually there are a bunch of other names that we didn't even get to that yeah
2: like, yeah i'm go- i mean donaldson is kind of in that same group right with brian moncada and donaldson it's it's like are you just going to completely throw out 2020 because of health reasons because you know they, they, they nothing good came for any of them in 2020 and so that's i'm not sure about what to do about that and then right after them is K. brian hayes I have him 16th at the position who had a very strong debut. Uh, Certainly blew away my expectations, but he was considered a high-end prospect. And I'm, you know, I, I feel like he's somebody, if you're, if you're going to invest in a Bryant or Moncada, you'll probably want to follow with a Brian Hayes pretty soon because he feels more bankable than those two at this point. And uh, I, I, I'm very high on him. I'm I'm very high on Cabrian Hayes. I'm going to declare my love for him right now and uh, go ahead and plant
1: my flag in that and, and we'll see how many shares of him I end up with. Yeah, definitely an interesting prospect. But remember, Lindor came up as a defense first prospect and turned into this fantastic offensive player as well. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility for Cabrian Hayes and, of course, someone that Scott loved heading into last season. And he was actually pretty good as Alec Boehm, who you know we didn't even get to either. But we have all off-season to get to those guys. Jeff Zimmerman, I want to thank you again for joining us. Make sure you follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff W. Zimmerman. Uh, of course, with Rotograss, Roto Fanatic, Baseball HQ, and co-host of the Launch Angle podcast. Uh, Jeff, is there anything else that I missed that you would like to promote? Well, what do you got going on right now?
0: Um, Yeah, just kind of I'm um, working for preseason stuff and I'm um, just kind of taking a break. It's usually this month right now. Um we're trying to decide what if we will actually put out the process me and my co-author both have our kids at home and are dealing with homeschooling so mm. <laughs> um that's a whole just there's just no time so it's um many a times like we're we'll see what comes out of that but yeah the process is um in limbo right now for at least this year with with everything that's going on
1: I hear you man well Scott hears you more because he's got the kids at home too me I don't have no kids not yet, and honestly, I don't know if ever, but that, that's a, a conversation for another day. For for Jeff and Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching fantasy baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again on Tuesday. Bye bye.